0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Peter Davis, Managing Partner of Interplay. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs advance society, and this podcast is part of that effort. We're doing our normal run-through of the pod today. The one twist is we're going to be focusing on a review and recap of 2022, and we're going to be looking forward to 2023. So we're going to hear perspectives from all the different partners who participate in this weekly chat. So hopefully you enjoy that. Before we jump into that, though, I wanted to share my thoughts and then make one little announcement. So my predictions for 23, which I'm sure we'll watch this again in a year and think how wrong we were, is one, I think cannabis is going to be legalized federally. I think that is going to tip. Uh, There's a lot of really interesting business implications of that. For those who don't know, all of the states right now are essentially are vertically integrated. The suppliers and all the way to the retailers are all working on one in-state supply chain. If they sell across state lines, they can get them in trouble with because then it's like a federal transaction and it's not legally federally. So when it becomes federally legal, we open up these eighteen twenty plus markets across the U.S. and merge them into one market and a whole bunch of competitive dynamics are going to ensue. The second thing that's really interesting that I think is going to happen is, look, we've had OpenAI has taken one giant leap forward for mankind, I believe we're going to start very quickly seeing rapid rapid application development, application layer technologies, things that we can actually use that will start to integrate the AI into our workflows. My intuition is that those applications are going to have about as much impact on the way we work and white-collar jobs in particular as COVID did when it opened everyone's eyes to remote working. So I think there is a tsunami of behavioral change coming behind that technology. uh, And it may be a very significant moment coming up in this coming year. The last thing I want to announce, and just make sure everyone knows, is we're going to take a winter break. So this is our last pod for the year. uh, And we'll be picking things back up in January. So if you don't hear from us between now and then, enjoy the holidays. Take this time to reflect. Think about what you're working on. Take a breather. It's important to slow down uh and buckle your seatbelt we're going to start the show all right mike you've always got some weird fashion statement going on you're wearing a beanie now what's happening it's cold it's not cold in the office
1: it's cold everywhere i'm cold i just did a week on the beach and i came back and it's 30 degrees outside and i'm not happy about it
0: is it a bad hair day
1: it's not my best hair
0: day all right that's a good reason okay yeah. all right today's uh pod conversation we're we're doing a starting with a retrospective on 22. Mm. looking back what were like the big insights personal learnings learnings about the way the world works what, what did you take away that was kind of the ah moment for you
1: yeah i mean i think the easy one for 2022 is that market's always correct and that eventually no matter how out of whack prices get eventually they will come back down to Equilibrium or long term average, or what you know, some semblance of fair and rational, uh, which is what we saw this year. You know, we, we can't live in a zero interest rate world forever. Uh, I think a lot of people have been stuck in that mindset, thinking that the party would last forever. But eventually, last call comes and, and the party ends. And you know, what we saw this year was a significant fall in, in venture activity and valuations. And while a lot of those valuations haven't corrected yet because these companies are sitting on large pools of cash. Just because you priced it last year at a billion doesn't mean it's actually worth that. So uh, I think my big learning last year uh, was that you know eventually price is correct. And I think the other piece of it is this is healthy for the market. I mean I think we are in a better place now than we were last year. And while people might not feel as rich, I think the long term trend is fantastic. And I'm still super excited to be a venture capital investor.
0: You know it's. <laughs> When these markets are up for so long, and that's the pattern, it's an escalator up, it takes five to 15 years, 10 years, whatever it is, and then it's an elevator down and it crashes. In these up periods, especially when it gets to the euphoria stage, a lot of people, and I think it happens to us, like you really do start to doubt your sanity, because you know the valuations are nuts. Yeah. You start wondering, all right, is this the new reality? Right. And we did a pretty good job. We made a couple of mistakes. I think there's two companies where we got, we, we, we kind of got pulled into valuations that I think we rationalized a little too much, but that's two out of 30 or 40 or 50. We did in that time frame. where I think we did a really good job of kind of sticking to our guns and thinking logically about reasonable multiples and exit potential and outcomes um, so it's it's hard though, because you're you have to be a contrarian in those euphoric periods to stay rational on valuation. And yeah, that's I said, you know everyone everyone else thinks you're crazy.
1: I said to someone today, I said to one of our portfolio founders actually, that uh I think looking back on it, we were irrational probably about 10% of the time. Maybe, maybe five ten percent of the time. I think that the market was probably irrational forty to fifty percent of the time. Uh and because of that, I do feel quite strongly that we'll have really good performance in the fund, and and, and we'll be what we'll you know we'll be fine. But uh, you know, it just shows you that even someone who tries to stay sane in, in a crazy market like that, every once in a while, you know, you're bound to make some some sort of uh, of error. Yeah, and it's it's a
0: it it just takes a lot of discipline. I, I really I do think our team was a very powerful part of it, leaning on each other, keeping each other yeah. sane when people will get drawn into things they're excited about um but we we had a good discipline through all of it. but it's very hard it's very hard to stay true to your method when you feel like you're on an island but uh, yeah in hindsight we were right but you know you you're crazy if you're not doubting yourself at some point right
1: totally and this is a a partner meeting format right so I think what we say to each other in the bar I means in the day, venture capital too, it is a competition, right? We are stack ranked against our peers. Yes, yep. the, the industry as a whole has to generate returns, but within the industry, LPs, our investors, right, are looking at us and saying, how do they do versus their peers? So when I say we did, we acted irrationally 10% of the time, I think the market was 40% of the time. That means the market was exponentially more rational than we were. And hopefully that leads to returns that are far superior to our peers.
0: Exponentially ir- less rational.
1: More, Exponentially uh, less rational, or more irrational. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, I think we came we came out of that pretty well, but that was one of those moments where you know we stuck to it. But you have to ask yourself, am I crazy? But we always talked our way back to fundamentals. You know, I think that's an interesting thing about us, um, and we talk about it too often publicly is that we kind of view ourselves as fundamentals investors in kind of this new age market, right? And that cross-section doesn't happen as much as people would think on the outside. Anyway, we're we're digressing. Okay, Uh, 2022, retrospect, thank you. All right, we're about to start the new year. Everyone's going to start making their predictions. I threw some probably, fast forward 12 months and I'll look back and think what an idiot, the ones I threw out earlier uh, in this pod. What do you got for 23? What do you think is going to happen? How's the world going to change?
1: Yeah, I think my first 23 one is... And this is—I'm going to say this on a limb. It's a—it's a bit of a hope as much as it is me. It's something a trend I'm starting to see, and also something that I I really hope comes to fruition. Is I think that we're starting to see. I hope that founders get more rational around what a realistic and good outcome is. We've talked about this on the podcast already. I think we lived in a world for, for the last two or three years, you know, more more recently, but maybe more like five years where anyone starting a company was not happy unless they had a billion-dollar outcome. And everyone came into every meeting saying, we're going to be the next multi-billion-dollar company. I think that mentality is really special, but it's very unrealistic. So I think my prediction is this is the year where founder rationality returns. And, and with that, pricing of rounds returns. So again, back to just kind of simple math for you. If you're a founder and you raise a 5 to $7 million Series A in the 30 to $50 million post-money range, it's a great outcome. You, you continue to hold optionality to sell that business and generate great returns for everyone if you exit in the 250 to $500 million range. A very reasonable and unbelievable return. right? Uh, if you raise it 80 or 100 on the A, your outcome has to be a billion-dollar-plus for those investors to see the returns they want to see. Extremely unlikely and extremely unrealistic for you know, 99.9% of companies. So my first hope slash prediction is that we see more rationality return to founders and VCs, right? We are just as culpable, if not more culpable, in this situation uh, right. to the market. But this is an interesting one. You've heard me say this a
0: million times. You know, my phrase, the tech crunch punch. You know, everyone's drinking the tech crunch punch. I mean, when you're seeing these articles and the headline story are not the 1% of outcomes, the 0.1%, and we're all obsessing over these people who have had these fabulous outcomes and their household names and everything else. People aren't getting their head around the real distribution of exits. Right, yeah. A lot of the exits are sub 100 million. Yeah. That's not how people think about it. They think it's like a billionaire bust. And those are outliers of outliers. Totally. Not saying they don't happen. Like often those
1: founders are making more money than the founders who are selling their businesses for multiples more.
0: It depends on how they finance, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's a... It's, it's a big thing. So coming in with a little bit of sobriety, getting undrunk on the TechCrunch Punch, I think is a good thing for everyone in the market. Uh, we can get back to the, found, the fundamentals of building innovation and improving society a little bit. All right. What else you got for 23? What else, what else do you think is going to happen?
1: Uh, I do think that this year we start to see consumer demand slow. So, so far this recession, has been driven by market repricing, but not actually consumer demand destruction. We saw a really strong holiday sales, we saw a really strong Black Friday. Consumers are still spending money. Now we're starting to see some early signs of you know, balance sheets, consumer balance sheets worsening. They were at the best they ever were, so getting worser is, you know, natural. Um, but I do think in Q1, Q2, we'll start to see that that true consumer demand slow. And that's what the Fed has told us they want to do. The only way to squash inflation is to slow consumer demand. So my prediction is that we will see a, a bit of a consumer recession in the, early, in the early months. I think that will stop the Fed from raising rates. I think eventually it will lead to a, a slight loosening cycle, not massive. We're not going back to zeroes interest rates. Probably towards the end of this year, maybe early next. And I think that will help us enter our next bull market run. And we'll see what that takes us.
0: What's the biggest new technology that's going to show up in 23 that is going to be tectonic? It's going to create a market shift. with the AI pop just happen. What's the next thing? Yeah, where it's the like, AI oh, pop. Man. I know
1: your prediction was around the AI stuff. I think the AI stuff yeah. is still really early. Uh, you know, we're seeing people already launch companies based on chat GPT, which is cool, but it's still a long ways off in terms. Right. what
0: what what's the next big tech thing that's like going to be seismic.
1: I don't know, man. I think we've if got you knew, we'd be
0: investing, right? That.
1: Yeah, we'll be investing. I mean, it's it's I think this is a good thesis piece for you because I think we we've always been really good at saying, hey, you know, innovation comes from the entrepreneurs who are doing the hard work. So we're gonna go and find those entrepreneurs who are doing that hard work and back them. And we're not gonna prophesize around what we think the next thing's gonna be. I think that the AI will be really impactful this year. I think it was the first year we'll really see big multi-hundred billion dollar companies get built leveraging. APIs like ChatGPT and other companies' technology. They're not the only one out there, by the way. You're going to see a wave more come out in the next six months or so. And I do think it'll fundamentally change the way that we work and write and listen and read and 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 live our lives. Um, so I think it's going to be like iPhone step change for the average consumer. Unsure. But I do think that some people are thinking about it in that, in that sort of way.
0: Thank you, Mike. All right. Now, Fong's is going to give us a business update for the week. Fong, what are we doing this week?
2: All right. Hi, everyone. So, um, you know, for this last episode of the year, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on the past year and thinking about what's in store for 2023. And I know that we've had a lot of discussion about what's going to happen next year. There's a lot of speculation around the market and whether we'll get into we'll enter into a recession. I'm not going to really talk about that today. I think. um regardless of what actually happens, the one thing that we can all be sure about is there's going to continue to be a lot of uncertainty over the next few months. And that's really going to impact founders across all aspects of their business. So I think that it's really important that founders spend some time over whatever downtime they have over the holidays to gear themselves up for the new year, right? And in doing so, Giving some thought to one, how to position your company to weather that uncertainty. And then two, how to best position yourself to weather that uncertainty, right? How do you give yourself the mental fortitude to get through the months ahead that will probably be tougher and more stressful than founder life normally is even? So let's first talk about positioning your company for a potential downturn or whatever is going to happen. Um, Even though it's uncomfortable, I think now is the time, if you haven't done so already, to really look inward and assess the health of your business and figure out where you really are. And a helpful framework for doing that is this concept of being default dead or defaults alive, which were terms that were developed by Paul Graham, one of the founders of Y Combinator. Now, what does that mean? So being defaults alive means that even if you're not profitable today, your growth rate is strong enough that you'll get to profitability before you run out of money. So then that means that being default dead means you'll run out of money before you become profitable. So you probably have to depend on outside funding to stay in business. So if you're default alive, you know, you're in good shape. If funding slows down or dries up in 2023, you're self-sustainable and you can get yourself through until things get back to normal, whatever normal means. If you're default dead, you've got some difficult decisions to make, right? It's not ideal to be default dead during a time where it may take longer or be harder to raise money. So maybe it's time to start thinking about what it's going to take to get to break even, and then from there, what it's going to take to get to profitability. So um, you know, some things to to really think about is, you know, get your your team together and come up with ideas for everything you can do to cut costs. And then everything you can do to make more money. And I know that's easier said than done, right? So in, uh, in terms of cutting costs, you know, the two biggest buckets to look at are one headcount. And that's not something that anyone ever wants to, to think about, but it really is one of the biggest cost drivers. So really be honest with yourself here. And, you know, you have to make some hard decisions. I think the best way to avoid this is to just always make sure that you're thoughtfully hiring and to avoid building a team too quickly um just to hit some crazy growth targets right um and then secondly which is interesting is ad spend so this is another place where j- startups tend to overspend to show investors that they're growing fast but you know if you're spending a lot on ads like it's not a sustainable type of growth because it leads to a high burn so then you've got to ask yourself do you would you rather keep money keep spending money to fund this growth and then hope that someone's going to give you more money But then risk the, the, you know, risk not surviving because no one ends up giving you money. Or would you rather cut the spend now, take the growth hit and then be able to get to defaults alive? And then, you know, you reset your business, even though you're growing not as, not as fast as you were before, but you're running a healthy, sustainable business and you're around to talk about it in a couple of years. Um, you know, I think, and then you can raise in a better environment. I think you have to answer these questions for yourself, but I hope you choose wisely. And then I think in addition to assessing the health of your company, it's important that you do so for yourself to assess your own health, especially your mental health. Um, We all know how difficult and isolating and stressful being a founder can be. I know there's there's studies that say that over 70% of founders report some mental health struggles. And I think it's safe to say that um, you know, the added uncertainty in the market will only make it even more stressful. So it's really extra important to be vigilant about focusing on your own mental health. It's really the best uh, investment you can make in your own business. So really take the next couple of weeks to figure out how you're going to do that for 2023. You know, Some things to think about is to connect with other founders. Being a founder can be really isolating. So sharing your experience with a peer group can counterbalance that. Um, and then at the same time, you know, keep your connections with friends that have nothing to do with your business. Don't let your whole life be about work. I think having these friendships that can offer you support outside of your identity as a founder is super healthy and really important. And then, you know, last thing, sleep, exercise, eat right. Don't drink too much. You know, seek help if you need it. It's all the basics that apply to regular, normal humans also apply to superhumans like founders. So um, keep that in mind, take care of yourself. And yeah, those are my thoughts as we head into the holidays. I hope everyone has a great one.
0: This is a terrific set of topics. And I think relevant, not only now, especially the second half, but always for founders. It is, um, I view founders, myself, others as business athletes. And you kind of have to have this mindset that you're training to perform in your role. And so this taking care of your body and your mental health is actually aligned with getting you to your business goals. I used to think they were in, um, they were in kind of a fight with each other, right? Like, I, am I working out, which is taking me away from my work? Or am I maximizing the amount of time I'm, I'm being productive?
2: Now It I seems like exerc- a luxury that you can't don't have time for, right?
0: Right. Now I view exercising as an investment to help me be more effective. Mentally, physically, when I'm working, um, I wanted to come back. I think a lot of people. I want to touch on everything you kind of said. Um, a lot of people, uh, founders out there, when they went through the last couple of years, were told, to be fair, grow, 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 because that's right. There was a lot of capital. The measure of investability was for many VCs growth, and that the key thing to take away is that has changed, and. Um, A lot of people are doing layoffs now. It's not pretty, it's not fun. No one wants to think about it, no one wants to talk about it, but uh, we are advising our companies to have the option if they can, to raise their next round in 2024. And for many, that means uh, making pretty deep cuts into the team and not optimizing for growth, but optimizing for operating metrics and stability of the business. So that's that on that piece, yeah. Um, just to kind of share the internal interplay messaging with other folks out there. Um, and that's awful, right? But I'm, I'm hoping we can help start new businesses with, coach, hire some of the people who get uh, released because very often they're incredibly talented people. Um, the uh, second thing I would, that you touched on that I would reinforce is the mental health piece. I think it is the single cheapest investment you could make, no matter what it costs. Uh, you know, if you have good mental health and you make decisions just a little better, it's ROI all day, right? Let's. There are programs out there that people can join. Uh, we're, we're supporters of Venwise. For those who don't know it, it's probably the largest uh, community of entrepreneurs in the country. Uh, it's been around for over a decade, and they uh, do really high. Ca- it's high caliber founders. Almost all have raise substantial amounts of money. It's a lot of the big name companies that people know are in there. And it's the kind of the private space where founders talk to other founders to get advice in very structured, insightful environments, typically with, you know, executive coaches moderating. It's the real deal. So if you can get into that, no brainer. Um, The thing to know about the, the Venwise and other types of any type of mental health community is it doesn't matter what it costs you. If you make one hire a little bit earlier, one layoff a little bit earlier, you've already paid for the entire program for the year. And the reality is you're going to you know, typically get 10x that in value. So it's literally the best investment you can make as a founder, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot to this. I think this is the time for everyone to do a reset. Uh, I'll add one last little bit of advice on this for mental health. Uh, in my earlier, younger days when I was You know, exclusively a founder before I was doing VC, and now, you know, um, a whole platform and a whole ecosystem. I used to try to work my tail off through the holidays, and my thinking was, I'm going to get ahead because I'm willing to do it. The problem is, no one else is working, and so your productivity, because you're trying to interact with other people, most times it's like you're sending an email, you're not getting a response, is really low, (laughs) and it will drive you mad. So I think the better investment for folks is to take this time, unless you have specific things you can actually achieve, right? Or customers that need support to really take this time to, uh, while everyone else is a social contract that everyone's off, invest in your mental health, think big, think about who you are, think about mistakes you made, things you did right, people you're, you're grateful for what they've done for you, and reset on all of that and come in fighting in January.
2: For sure. I, I find this week, the kind of the week before Christmas and New Year's, one of the, the most productive weeks um, of the year. You know, not not productivity in terms of how many emails I get answered or um, anything, uh, you know, more traditional, but really being able to take the time to step back. You're in the details every day of your business and really give yourself time to step back and think big, big picture, um, you know, both in terms of business and your life and your, your personal life in general.
0: This is a good one. Thank you, Fun. All right. Now we're going to jump over to Chris, who's going to give us a 22 retrospective and some thoughts about the world going into 23. What do you got, Chris?
3: Uh, Thanks, Mark. So 2022 has been such um, an eventful year for all market participants. I think, you know, let me preface this by saying that there are obviously a lot of things that happened, but our perspective and our chat today is really just about events that I think the bigger events that moved at risky assets. So the, the first thing is um, the one that we talk about every week, which is inflation, Fed interest rate decisions, and the re- and it related the strength in U.S. dollars, and of course uh, the broader market pullbacks. Just to just to recap a little bit, we we started the year basically with S and P at the historical highs, forty eight hundred. That March hit, inflation became a real worry, and negative sentiment started to take hold. We granted all the way down like 20 percent to 3,700 in s and p in in mid-June, followed by a big July recovery sort of summer happiness time uh, rally back to 43 percent, 4300, only to be completely destroyed by effectively the Fed coming out setting interest rate expectations. And correcting market expectations for, for, for future rate, rate hikes. Then August CPI came out, sort of any sort of remaining hope of transitory inflation was gone, and markets sold off again. Everything culminated into basically in, in the November CPI data that came out last week, or this week, in fact, um, uh, the week of December December 12th. Uh, along with the the newest, latest edition of the Fed interest rate decision. Long story short, basically, CPI headline now uh, finally came out a little cooler than expected. But as usual, if you look under the hood, the stickier side of inflation or core inflation is still rising. As a result, the Fed hiked another 50 basis point and Chairman Powell basically signaled that there's there's more to come and, and likely interest rate will peak. Uh, at a range above five percent obviously uh, a lot of volatility in the middle of, of all this uh, rhetoric and, 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 and uh, news headlines um, and I think likely we're going to continue to see a trend uh, of elevated volatility going forward. second biggest story that happened in, in 2022 the affected market of course is, is the war on ukraine. 350 billion in property damages, 40 million display people, 54,000 injuries, 15,000 missing people, and 54,000 uh, sorry, and, and uh, 52,000 death later. I think market participants and really everyone still in the world who has ability to access information is still left wondering what what really is the end game here and what's the off ramp. Any, you know, there are many questions that I think we should ask ourselves. Things like, are, are sanctions by the West really effective, and do they, just, or do they just add to the inflation problem we already have? What about food and energy shortages to the rest of the world? Um, and if, if Ukraine is so hard, if Ukraine is so hardline on getting back Crimea, and Russia is willing to use nuclear weapons, not just as deterrent but also as a weapon of last resort, to defend what it considers territories? How does the rest of the world really try to bridge this gap? Um, Market initially, I think at the beginning of the year, really took a hit uh, because of the headline. But over time, people became less sensitized to to the information flow and and headlines, and and to the point where any incremental news out of the region no longer moves market. I think that's, that's a major risk heading into 2023 as well. Um, When when material developments happen, that will sort of swing the risk the other way and market participants all of a sudden will will realize that that, that, uh, the war is still going on and and with no ending. So that's that's a big thing to to look out for as well. Third and fourth, really uh, they're combined into sort of one, which is COVID and US-China relations. you know there's this dichotomy of responses by the US and China really that that started taking shape earlier this year with the US really largely opening up the country and China still holding on to its zero zero covid policy really all the way until last week um what we had the world the rest of the world basically had as a result major supply chain disruptions and you know the chinese economy has materially weakened and there's signs There are finally signs of sort of discontentment and dissonance among the broader general populace. Okay. There are also troubles in the real estate market. Uh, there's a real flight or attempted flight of capital away from China, mainland China. Wow. Um, and at the end of all that, China's GDP is now expected to grow only three percent in 2022. And to put that to put that in context, that's not much. That that's not much higher than. A real developed country like the U.S. with real GDP expected in 2022 at 2%, despite all the inflation problem that we've had. So, and of course, along the way we've had you know Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, Xi Jinping's elected General Secretary of China for the for the unprecedented third term, and all the U.S. sanctions on China for for various different causes. So where does that leave us, really? for 2023 and beyond is, is the question to ask.
0: That's my quick summary of what happened this year. You know, of all the stuff going on, I, I think everyone's heard all of this, but just to take a moment and think about the fact that the people in Ukraine, it's not a stat, these yeah. are each of those deaths, each of those displacements is families going through real, frankly, fairly unimaginable hardship. I would say largely to Americans and other people who are not in war zones or have not grown, lived in war zones. Um, very heavy stuff. It's easy to blush over as a data point. I know it's saying you're doing that, but it's uh, the real human tragedy with that is unfathomable. Anyway, please continue. So what what uh, happy news do we have for 20, waiting us for 2023?
3: Uh, it's very obviously incredibly difficult to predict geopolit- geopolitics and any events that fall out from there. So I'll, I'll, I'll stay with what I know and, and what I think likely would happen in the financial market, which is that I think interest rate will likely rise, will have to rise by another 100, 150 basis point here in the US to largely to combat inflation and to uh, cool down demand. And really reset the bubble that we lived in in the past 10, 20 years with free money. Um, That will hopefully bring down the year on year inflation back to somewhat normal, 3 to 4%. I know the Fed's target is still 2%. I think that is going to be very difficult to achieve. If you do the math, that means it's about 0.1% month on month inflation, all in, including the predictable or less predictable. Uh, food and energy and more predictable core inflation, I think that target is uh, uh, is going to take longer to to get to because we've got again ten to fifteen years of just free money accumulating, and that is going to take more than just a year to to, to absorb um, as a result of all that unemployment rate will hopefully uh, will not hopefully unemployment rate will definitely shoot up. Uh, the question really is whether it's going to be high single digits which is not a result people hope for or even higher, or would it be more contained in a more mid-single digit, 5%, 6%. My uh, my guess and my, my sort of educated guess is it's, it's going to be more contained uh, due to the result of sort of this talent hoarding that's still going on uh, among the biggest companies. You see sort of uh, uh, headlines come from the tech companies and now also the banks folks trying to cut jobs, let's like say in operations and back office, um, but still, you know, in management and in a lot of the key positions, hirings are still continuing. So I think that's likely a trend that's going to continue into next year. Um, there's no broad-based layoff as of yet. And I really don't see that happening given the cash reserve, given um, where the economy is at currently. Beyond the U.S., I think uh, China. There will be a real recovery in China now that um, finally COVID uh, uh, zero is 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 in the past. Um, obviously, a lot of unrest due to uh, new virus uh, infections and potential death and hospitals getting run over. But I do think, um, given uh, you know China's response in sort of early period of the COVID. I think these things will be eventually resolved, maybe with temporary uh, solutions, temporary 10 temporary hospitals and emergency supplies, uh, same, uh, sort of easings in the government. So I do think in a, on, on the broader economy, things will recover. And it, it is short term positive for China for sure. The war is, I think, the biggest question mark. And that's going to remain the biggest uh, risk events in 2023. There is no off ramp yet. There's no. Um, a, a date which every party have to come in and and and, and decide something
1: uh,
3: that's continued to be dragged on till, in my view, is potentially for the remainder of 2023 as well. So I, I hope something will get resolved, but the lot more likely scenario is that that's going to drag on in potentially at smaller scale um, in in uh, into 2023, deep into 2023.
0: That's my, kind that's of my It kind of yeah. sounds like. Uh... The, the common throughput on your 23 prediction is an unwinding. We had a whole bunch of buildup for a long period. Things snapped in 22 and there's an unwinding of too much capital, zero COVID policy, unknown war dynamics. So there's just, it's, it's going to kind of be a play out year. Now, the wild thing is those are the dimensions we know about. There's always the black swans around the corner, but all of those, I agree with you, I think are not overnight playouts. And I I also really appreciate you touching on the job issue. Um, There's two narratives in the market and it's hard for folks to reconcile them that it's really hard to find talent and everyone's laying everybody off. And those two don't really go together until you think about it as two labor markets, right? For some jobs, it's hard to find talent and other jobs, uh, you know i think a lot of companies are going to keep cleaning house as much as they can you know there's politics in the labor market right if you're a public company ceo you don't want to spook your investors doing a layoff when you're the only company in town doing a layoff market's hot yeah. no one else is letting anyone go and you do a big riff it's going to shake your pri- your share price you might lose your job in this market anyone yeah. who's been sitting on the sideline thinking about doing it they look smart they look disciplined doing layoffs now. And so I think there's going to be, again, an unwinding of a lot of potential, you know, over hiring, any decisions that were made around a growth economy, layoffs that maybe companies wanted to do a while ago, I think are going to be all coming to bear in Q1, to Q2. I think we saw tech lead a little bit of a Vanguard strategy on this, but other industries yeah. are here to follow. That's my guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, to add to your point, too, I think uh, when we talk about unemployment, a lot of people tend to focus on layoffs, but, and, but forget about there's another way to, to cool inflation and, and, and be more fiscally responsible, which is to cut salaries. So um, I, that's, the, that's historically a more difficult thing to do. I think yes. it's stickier, it's, it's harder to cut salaries than just to lay off people, but potentially that's a more sensible thing to do in the current economy where talent is still hard to find real talent is really hard to find. So you want to find a way to keep them, but help them to sort of help the talent also adjust mentally, uh, or reset expectations on, on earnings or at least temporary earnings and, um, and just sort of cut bonuses, uh, across the board. Like that's what we're, we're kind of already seeing that from headlines this week coming, coming out of Goldman and, and Morgan Stanley. And, um, it's not just about laying off people it's it's resetting salaries and, and really uh resetting salary growth that's 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 potentially what will happen next year
0: again another confusing paradigm dialing salaries down while inflation goes up right Yep. that's uh that's the, a profitability squeeze for future inflation exactly employers employees mm-hmm. lots to see, lots to come i have a feeling you're gonna be all right about a lot of this uh but we will see thank you chris A quick reminder for everybody, Chris is an SEC-registered RAA, so nothing he has said should be construed as financial advice. All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Hope you enjoyed today's pod. Uh, We are, reminder, going to be taking the holidays off, so we'll see you back in January. If you need anything in between, hit me on Twitter, at MPD.